Hello, and welcome to the Euro What from WhatElseIsOn.tv. I'm Mike McComb, and I'm here today with fellow Eurovision News and Entertainment Research Division Specialist, Ben Smith. Hey, Ben. Hey, Mike. How's it going? Uh, it is good. Isn't there supposed to be one more of us? Yeah, Ryan wasn't able to join us this week, but that's okay. We're kind of in a in-between period right now as we go from selection season to what I like to call wild speculation season as we get ready for the big show in May. Yes, as for now, it's just kind of Eurovision limbo time where there's a bunch of stuff happening, but it's not necessarily stuff that's relevant to us. But in terms of what does happen now, we're going to just start with, so Eurovision this year is on Tuesday, May 8th and Thursday, May 10th. Those are the semifinals and Saturday, May 12th for the for the big show. So right now, now that we've picked everybody, all those artists are off doing their promo, whether that's radio, whether that's concerts, which are happening this year in Riga, Latvia, Israel, the London Eurovision party, and then Eurovision in concert, which I think is... You know where that is? I believe that's in Amsterdam. Yeah, I was about to say, I thought it was in Amsterdam. We are just right around the corner from the wild speculation time for fan sites and know-it-all podcasts like ourselves. One other note is that uh, if you do want to get tickets to Eurovision, your last chance to do that is on April 5th. Yes, I believe those go on sale at 5 a.m. Eastern on uh, Thursday, April 5th. It's an all-nighter type situation. That feels more like a wake-up-early situation to me. Yeah, well, the first time... So this is like the fourth wave of tickets that are going to be going on sale. For the first wave, I didn't realize that when you log into the ticket-selling system, that it doesn't matter what order you log in, you just get a random number assigned to you. So I did pull an all-nighter the first wave and uh, ended up in like... 27,000th in line for, I think there were only maybe 2,000 tickets for sale. Ooh, that's... <laughs> they were the real primo bit. tickets. So uh, I learned my lesson for uh, Waves 2 and 3. Set your alarm 15 minutes before sale time, get on the website and cross your fingers and uh, good luck to everyone. So... Yeah. <laughs> Okay, I think that covers it for like what actually is happening next before we get to the big shows in May. Is there anything exciting happening in the world of Eurovision news, Mike? I don't know if I would call this exciting news, but over the weekend, news came out that Lise Asia, who won the very first Eurovision Song Contest in 1956, has passed away. Uh, she was 94 years old, and she is known as like the Grand Dame of Eurovision. Uh, she actually competed for Switzerland a handful of times. She competed the uh, in the first three contests, uh, winning the first one, tying for eighth out of ten in 1957, but then becoming the runner-up in the 1958 edition. So like like a storied history, like that's like the first three in a row. Yeah, yeah. And she has always been a fixture of Eurovision. Uh, she even tried competing for Switzerland pretty recently. In 2012, she made it to the Swiss national final, placed 8th out of 14th for that one. But the following year, she tried to submit a song. And unfortunately, that one didn't make it to the national final process. But yeah, like she she was a diehard for Eurovision. Yeah, well, up, and, and, up until the end. Yeah, she she will be missed. Uh, we do have a post uh, from earlier this year when we were kind of doing a throwback Thursday type thing to the very first entry. So we'll have a link to that post and her uh, winning song Refrain from 1956 uh, in the show notes. <laughs> 
kind of along that theme, and this is a theme that we had been working before the news dropped this weekend, that we would uh, use this week to kind of check in on the songs that got away in the 2018 selection season. Exactly, like a a nice little palate cleanser before we go into another round of deep, hard analysis. So there were close to, I think, 700 songs that were up for public consideration across all of the national finals and selection series and everything. And only 43 songs will be making it to the Eurovision stage. But there were some that were still pretty good that will probably be in our Spotify playlists from now until... I don't know when. So <laughs> now until Spotify America realizes that there's a very small window of people listening to these and takes them off. Yeah, although like I was listening to my discovery this morning and my my algorithms going to be baffling to anybody who happens to stumble upon my account. So <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, like I have a playlist that I update every couple of weeks or so with what with just like a range of what I am listening to which that occasionally gets thrown up on Twitter. Mostly it just has zero followers, so nobody is actually paying attention except me. Mm. Uh, but Spotify is getting very good at noticing, hey, I noticed that you put two entries from the Swedish final on here. Would you like seven more of them? And it's like, no, Spotify, I picked the two I liked. <laughs> and assuming that I wouldn't already know about those other seven. Come on, Spotify. <laughs> Spotify, you have the data. You know what's going on. Ben, do you want to get us started on some of your... On, on stuff that I thought should have won but didn't? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So like I, when, when we, you know, sort of pulled together, okay, everybody come up with a couple or like two or three of these knew exactly what ones I wanted and was just like in there right away. And like looking at both of these, you know, just in prepping for today's show was like, oh, wow. Like I managed to pick two entries that I think have very much the same spirit as what eventually won, but that I think do it better, which, so just to lead off, I think this might've been like one of my favorites of the selection season that I sort of knew wasn't going to win just because it, it felt it felt just that side of like what I generally think of as a Eurovision song but you know had my fingers crossed for it that I at least would get to like a super final was Ida Maria's Scandal of oh yeah yeah which, let's play a clip of that Which is just such a fun song. So much fun. And the performance from the Norwegian final was so delightful. Was, was <laughs> just like the perfect accompaniment to it. And like, I'm familiar with Ida Maria from about 2008. They were trying to break her as like an indie rock artist on this side of the pond musically. And she had like, I think she got at least a little bit of a fun because I think at least two of her albums came out over here. This felt like a little bit more pop. And it was it was a good combo of sort of, she has kind of kind of a whole rocker chick feel but this just giving it that little bit of a pop edge just like was like the the cherry on top for me and like as i said like this has sort of the same kind of fun spirit kind of cheeky spirit as what norway sent uh alexander rybach Mm -hmm. but there and like i think partially i didn't expect to go through because it would require editing before the final version like like they they, (laughs) like it would need at least a little bit of censorship and like part that's part why i like about is that it's just a bunch of scenarios like it's all about sex 
And it's just a bunch of scenarios. It's just like a bunch of fun role play scenarios. And can, just like the, the the chorus of the song is, can you make love like a Scandinavian all night long? It's just speaking as a Scandinavian warms my heart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then like the performance of it, watching it, and we'll, and we'll have a clip to all of these entries, performances in the show notes. Well, part of it was like, I think she wasn't a hundred percent sure where she was. Like there was just something kind of, she seemed very disoriented during the performance. There was one part where I think she tripped and that may have like legitimately like kind of. And, and just rolled with it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, like I just love that it just started in the middle of the audience and she like body surfed the stage. And yeah. Then just all- kind of like wandered around for a little bit, but like at the same time, it really kind of served the song. Well, like it, it, just kind of was delivered in this husky oh i went home with you whatever just going on with this that kind of like husky alto and then like just all of a sudden there were just cheerleaders just doing cheerleading stuff as well in like the norwegian colors just in red and white it was just again just delightful it just makes me happy thinking about it yeah and like it kind of looked like a target ad particularly the the, the suit she was wearing with just all of these like white and red circles on it and then there were like beach balls flying around it was like just so delightful and like i was not surprised that she didn't make it to the super final but i was still kind of like oh mm-hmm. come on norway like well, have a little more fun <laughs> it, well, yeah, it's like as soon as norway songs come out that's the one that made it to my 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 standard playlist in spotify mm-hmm. and like again like I, I, every time i listen to it, I'm like there's no way this is going to get to the final yeah but yeah. I, I enjoy it so much and i was also really hoping that 2018 would be the first year that biatch would be on the eurovision stage but <laughs> yes. we'll, we'll, we'll just have to wait until 2019 i suppose so. <laughs> i just love that the the whole thing is like swim in the ocean feel the emotion it's freezing because we're in norway yeah because <laughs> you're in scandinavia biatch yeah Ah, uh, but yeah, this, there's just so much to love in this song. Highly recommend seeking out the performance. And for the same reason you mentioned, Mike, because it seems like she's kind of out of it, but in a way where you, where I almost want to say that she, she knows that she's kind of out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I, I don't think you could do that kind of performance, like, completely incapacitated seems like a strong word, but yeah, like... But she's yeah, going she's... for that kind of rock and chick, I don't care, insouciance, and it just works. Yes, um, anyways, I've gushed about this one enough. Uh, so, so moving to a more somber number, but so similarly, so similar to how I picked a song from Norway that felt very goofy and fun, Iceland this year decided that they wanted to do a ballad, which is cool. Uh, the contest, you know, always has some of those, and Iceland is actually when they've sent those has sent some pretty decent ones. I think in two thousand nine. When Alexander Ryback won, like they were number two, and they had a pretty decent one. Mm-hmm. So this year they picked they picked a very nice kind of smarmy ballad about how it's our choice, it's our time, just sort of lots of bland beige platitudes that are okay. And like when it came down to that one and the one and what I submitted here, I was like, okay, cool, I, I get what they're going for, but I still thought the one in Icelandic should have won. So this is East Stormy. Oh, 
Okay, so Mike, what did you think of this one? Iceland's whole field just seemed kind of... I don't know. There there weren't a lot of ones to latch onto. Like, the, the one that I think was earwormiest was uh, Gold Digger, which I can totally understand why people would not be on board with that one. But Song Vakepin, I think is the name of, the, of their mm-hmm. process. Yes. Uh, they released the full album on Spotify, which has both the Icelandic version and the English version of all the songs. Uh, and they also included karaoke versions. So there were like 45 tracks or something yeah. that were available on Spotify. And... Yeah, I mean, like, of, of the ballady songs, I think this one was, I think, the most accessible without being too Eurovision-y. Mm-hmm. Well, but it's still pretty Eurovision-y. It's still pretty Eurovision-y. <laughs> like, there's still a really nice sense of drama to it. And, like, the guy's voice is so good on this one. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's one of those tracks that, were, that like, just comparing the record version to the live version, the live version was even better. It has kind of like a glam rock vibe, sort of. I don't so, know. Well, yeah. For me, it had like sort of a similar vibe to what Denmark ended up sending this year. In that, in that, it felt very dramatic, very sort of Game of Thrones fantasy epic-y. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this will be one that will be staying on my Spotify after this year. Yeah, I, <laughs> I guess I don't really have a strong opinion about it either way. But mm-hmm. <laughs> the Icelandic feel this year had like a few songs. But a lot of it was just sort of like, okay, this is nice. Mm-hmm. This is nice, but like, it's it's not really a winner to me. Uh, but yeah, like, I really dug this one and thought that it it hit all the notes that the entry they they ended up sending is trying to hit, and just feels sort of just smarmy and expected. But this one, this one had some real drama to it, and I'm kind of sad that it's the one that ended up in second place. So, what are you bringing to the table, Mike? So, I have three songs that I'm bringing that are of varying quality uh, not not to get too spoilery but uh yeah so the first one comes from latvia's selection and uh latvia really changed up their process in the last few years uh, adopting the supernova format and the sort of songs that have been coming out of that process are much more my jam like i i used to have a pretty antagonistic relationship with latvia <laughs> like mm-hmm. some of some of their entries like from like five years ago, were just so trying too hard, but not in the right way. I, I was about to describe them as like and, earnest, but in a bad way. Yeah, yeah, and it's just just totally inaccessible. And it's like, oh man, they've just have to do some something. And like, <laughs> it, like I would actively hate their songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, not it wouldn't just be a case of just like, oh yeah, I don't really like this one. It's just like, oh no. I hate I, yeah, this song, would, would and I will like, be no. angry if it gets more than absolute last place. Since they've adopted the Supernova format, it's been – it feels kind of more like college radio type okay. music. Yeah, which, yeah, like they, yeah, they definitely have sort of a more indie alternative take on pop than some of the other nations do. Yeah, and just a much more accessible – song style and and they're really producing stuff that i'm not seeing from a lot of the other countries so Mm -hmm. i I don't know if they're just working more closely with the actual latvian music scene or or what's going on but when they release the supernova entries like that's one of the sets that i'm most eager to listen to just because it's just like oh this is stuff that would most likely end up in my spotify recommendations anyway and the one from this year that caught my ear instantly uh was sunset by the group in my head
I'm not surprised that this one didn't advance out of the semifinals in the supernova process. It was a little sparse. Uh, the, the, this particular performance wasn't all that dynamic, but the style of song just kind of reminds me of this concert that I went to uh, after my senior year of high school, uh, Area One, where it was uh, Moby and a bunch of uh, like up-and-coming acts that uh, specialize in using turntables in their instrumentation. So mm-hmm. uh, it was like a festival with Outcast and The Roots and Incubus and Nelly Furtado. <laughs> and it's just like, wow, this is a really good lineup. And this was before, like right before they all like hit it big. Mm-hmm. And there was like a soundtrack album that you could uh, get if you like bought a t-shirt at the concert, which I did. And th- this song felt right at home with that soundtrack CD. Like it- it's like this song is just total mic nip. <laughs> and um, okay. yeah, and it also j- kind of reminded me of Lithuania's entry from last year, Reign of Revolution, which did not do well in the contest, but has really grown on me. Okay. since last may um, yeah, and, yeah like, just... and like hearing this for myself like that also came to mind as a touch point was lithuania's entry last year mm-hmm. although unlike you like that that had negative connotations for me in that i thought that they had w- so last, lithuania last year i thought they had a little like way too much going on at once mm-hmm. and i felt similarly about this entry from latvia where i was just like okay i get what they're going for but these elements aren't working together for me yeah like i mean i think as an audio track it's I don't know. It really kind of like allows you to kind of zone into your work, which I think is also probably why I enjoy it so much because that's when I mostly listen to Spotify is like when I'm at like mm-hmm. typing out stuff at work and it's like, oh, this this is just getting like, getting me into that zone. But like the visual performance of it is just like, yeah, they're okay. So <laughs> yeah, the visual performance was a little bit static. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping Latvia sticks with the supernova format it's they were successful with the first two years of it last year they kind of ran into a stumbling block but i think that's just because they were sending something that eurovision wasn't ready for well yeah i I agree with you i think that their process in the last few years has improved by leaps and bounds and it seems to be turning out some some entries that are that both did do reasonably well in the contest and just generally produce some really really interesting tracks Another one that I wanted to bring to the table that I know that, Ben, you had mentioned it before, uh, was the song Leila from Ukraine. The singer's name is Teyana. Yes. Uh, let's take a listen to that track. <laughs> This is kind of par for the course for Ukraine in terms of woman with very strong vocals and a very pop-friendly song, and I am here for it. <laughs> like, Ukraine sends one of those every, every few years, and it does very well. I can understand why this did very well in the uh, in the selection process, but I'm kind of glad that Ukraine went a different direction, just because, like you said, this is something that Ukraine has sent several times before, and it's just like, oh, well, let's let's just try something different by se- uh, sending Melvin. Mm-hmm. And well, yeah, and like this this was like the first time I'd watched like the actual visuals that went with this, and like this was this was like actually a really really well produced number. Mm-hmm. Had sort of like I mean the the backup singers made this feel like very Motown. Yes, and like but yeah, like it, it felt retro in a good way. It felt it had like a lot of energy. 
I definitely could have seen this one just just as easily taking it and and doing you know and being a good entry for Ukraine. Yeah, and I think it's also a lot of fun, which the last few entries from Ukraine have not have, have been very heavy. I think we talked in the past show about like Ukraine as a host just trying to be look, we have fun and like it feeling kind of find out opposite to what was actually being shown but this like actually felt very fun yeah this one is going to be one that will probably be staying in my spotify for a while and i'm actually probably going to see what else tiana has Mm -hmm. uh if if it's available on spotify just because like i really like the sound of her voice well yeah and like that's sort of a cool thing that happens when you watch stuff like this is that all of a sudden it's like oh i should see if this person has anything else yeah i think that this will lead to some fun exploration as well as uh more random recommendations from spotify just being like oh how about these ukrainian artists and it's like okay sure (laughs) and then the last one that i wanted to bring comes from armenia so Armenia this year is sending the ballad Kami. This song is the opposite of that. It's uh, Puerto Rico by uh, drag performer Camille Show. Uh, let's take a listen to that. <laughs> Okay, so this performance is... I don't even know how to describe yeah, it. Ben, like, do you have words? <laughs> um, I, I can try. My initial reaction, like, as the song was sort of warming up, was, you know, like, so Camille, I think, had their back turned to the stage, and it was mostly just their backing singers doing it, mm-hmm. doing the song. And I was like, well, this is an interesting staging setup. Usually the main artist is in the center of the stage. Why is the camera focusing on these people on the side? Oh, oh, that's why. And then the rest of the song started. And then I sort of sat there at my computer with my mouth agape. And then at the end of the video, I wondered if I needed to be sent to, to like, cultural sensitivity training. Because I'm, like, and admittedly, part of this is just, like, not understanding the language. But I was trying to figure out, like, is this being, is this being reverent of Puerto Rico or irreverent of Puerto Rico? Or what is going on here? Everything is so bright and shiny. Yeah, like, well... I didn't realize that Armenia had a drag scene, which I'm so glad that they do. And <laughs> there was so much going on in this performance. Like when we talked about Armenia uh, originally uh, after Kami was selected, Ryan mentioned that the sort of sparseness of the stage performance was kind of a downside to that song. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, well, I think part of that was just because of like what the production style is for the Debbie of Retzel mm-hmm. format. But then I saw this performance and be like, oh, yeah, I was mistaken because there were like all of these kind of weird animations involving like trees and food in the background. Oh, yeah, like and they then... made use of all of the elements they had available. Yeah. Whether that then, is a good thing or not. Yeah. And then like elements that they brought in from home, like using a frying pan as a mirror. Yeah, and frying then, pan as like... a mirror, using an oven as like a DJ deck. Yeah. Like it was just kind of all over the place but in a really delightful way and there was just just this like boundless energy well, yeah, happening it's, it's during nice, this performance. it's nice to have something that just kind of locks your brain up for three minutes mm-hmm. where you're just like i don't know what this is but that's okay 
part of me was just like, oh, I wonder why Armenia didn't choose this. And it's like, oh, it's because Armenia likes to win at Eurovision, yeah, or at least yeah, move Armenia toward that direction. Armenia is not yet ready for their dust in the turkey phase. Right. Which is what this reminded me of in, in ways. And again, I think that's mostly just the, the shininess and the, my inability to tell if this is, is, try, is making fun of something or not. Right. Yeah. And like looking at the voting results on Armenia's Wikipedia page for this, this finished second in the audience vote. Kami finished first with like more than twice the votes that uh, Puerto Rico had. So I don't know if that's really the best measure of second place. And then it was, I believe, second to last with the jury. So a mixed reception. That that, that makes sense to me. This very much feels like an entry that has a lot of audience appeal and that judges are going to look at on a musical level and go, no. <laughs> An unequivocal no. Yeah. Uh, and it was an international jury, too, which made it uh, all, all the more noteworthy. Although it came second to last. So they did recognize that, okay, this part does have some, some musical credibility, but the rest of this we were not sure of. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it was visual presentation plus one of the back, uh, one of the backing singers, the one playing the guitar, really kind of reminded me of the Robert Palmer girls. So yeah, uh, I, I had that same feeling of oh, okay, definitely a fun performance. Not at all surprised that it did not advance, but uh, de- definitely one to check out. Oh, yeah, it's definitely worth the three minutes of your time it takes to watch this. Yeah, so I guess we are officially done with selection season. Uh, we still have our uh, Spotify playlist of the selection season songs we could find. And uh, yeah, that'll be on our homepage for a little while longer at uh, com, And we'll also have uh, a link to that in our show notes. So you can subscribe to it and listen to it two or three years from now and be like, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> why did I save this in my in my Spotify playlists? Yeah, it's just like, why is this ruined my algorithm? I don't understand. And I think that's going to wrap it up for this week. It's kind of a short and sweet episode. We will be back in full force next week as we start breaking down what these semifinals are going to look like. That'll do it for this episode of the Euro What. Thanks for listening. The Euro What podcast is a production of WhatElseIsOn.tv. Our Eurovision News and Research Division specialists are Ryan Brazell, Mike McComb, and Ben Smith. Follow our coverage of the 2018 Eurovision Song Contest at our website, eurovision.whatelseison.tv. You can also catch us on social media at EuroWhat on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. If you'd like to contact us by email, we can be reached at esc at whatelseison.tv. We'd love to hear your questions and comments. You can subscribe to the EuroWhat on iTunes and Google Play. While you add the subscription, leave us a review and let us know how we're doing. We'll be back with more Eurovision updates next week.